nervous pumpkins! We toys can see Howdy, partner, and happy Hanksween! It's Tom Hanksgiving, and we're here with our part two special of the Da Vinci Code trilogy review for Halloween, our early episode. We did this for America and the internet at large. We're talking about Inferno. <laughs> 2016, Ron Howard directed the third film in the... Uh, Robert Langdon, Tom Hanks Adventure Series, and uh, it came out this weekend, if you're listening to this, when the episode drops on Halloween 2016. Oh! Thank you, Wolf Mandy Green, who is my co-host! Yay! I'm, I'm back, you've dragged me back for this. <laughs> I'm, of course, Helvis Goulnash, your Halloween host today, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. We just saw the movie. Yep. Andy's a little uh, frazzled. I'm always frazzled. Why are you? Why, why are you frazzled? Well, I mean, I'm I'm missing my beard, and I feel like that's changed everything. That's and how true. I view it. Life. If you it. can hear the difference in Andy's voice, it's it's he's. This is the first beardless Andy we've ever had on the show. It's true, and, and first beardless podcast I've ever done. Whoa! Yeah. So this is a uh, probably going to be a shitty. <laughs> <laughs> So bear in mind, I'm actually, I'm actually warning up front. This is gonna be a bad episode. Before, actually, before this element came into play, I was worried because I honestly think our Da Vinci Code podcast and our our last week's Angels and Demons podcast are among some of the best we've ever done on the show. Da Vinci was like this really great look into blockbuster filmmaking and what is art versus what is just cash grab stuff. And Angels and Demons, we talked about masturbation. <laughs> Hilarious episode. So there's a lot of pressure for this one to succeed, much like the third film in a trilogy. Yeah. And <laughs> we know that really doesn't come to play outside of maybe once or twice in yeah. history. So we're going to see if we can defy history and, in fact, defy the Robert Langdon series and make this our best episode of the Tom Thanksgiving podcast where we're talking about it's a lot to figure out. These movies. But before we get it's into that. It's a puzzle. It is a puzzle. We'll see. Life is a puzzle, Elvis. That's what I've learned. Well, wh- what I've learned is that this is a great time to be a fan of Hanks within the pop culture. He's had four movies come out this year, three this fall. Uh, this is the third one, obviously, if you're paying attention. And he, his basically his uh, television appearances, stuff he's done to sort of promote the movies, create awareness of Hanks again, has been phenomenal. I talked about this a little bit when we did our mini-episode for Saturday Night Live, but uh, since then he's appeared on talk shows, his, his appearance on Stephen Colbert, where he recreates the scene and he meets Zoltar again, trying to be younger. Hilarious! Amazing! So this is like... And the David Pumpkins thing is going out of control. I wasn't kidding when I couldn't find a costume because they were all sold out. I mean, he's the promotion has been peak Hanks, or or a return to peak Hanks. It's almost like it's a un- Hanks renaissance. It's unfortunate the movies don't. The, I feel terrible because like the target audience for a Tom Hanks movie is this podcast, is me, 
And I've been to every single one, and every time I come back from the theater, outside of a hologram for the king, the underrated gem that nobody saw but the two of us. <laughs> uh, no, no, three people saw that. Two, oh, we're the only ones who saw Ithaca. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Maybe that's the, the movie that shall not be named <laughs> going yeah. forward. Uh, but, but honestly, yeah, no, every time. I, I guess a lot of people, Sully did really well. It got good box office. We came back and like you haven't seen it yet, but I me and my, my co-host that week, Julian, thought it was just terrible. Really, really lazy, boring, empty filmmaking. Like it was fine. Hanks obviously turned in a good performance, but there was it was so hollow. It was devoid of anything. Ithaca was a garbage dumpster fire. <laughs> uh, maybe the worst Hanks movie ever. Um, Whoa. Whoa! And and uh, well, I, I, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to stick by that because that's the only movie where it's like, if he wasn't in it, I wouldn't have had to waste my time. Obviously, I, I feel like I don't like a lot of the other ones, but I think that's defin- definitively the worst. Uh, Sully, I did say at the time, was like hollow and thus maybe I respected it less because Ithaca almost seemed like it was trying to say something, but no. <laughs> Sully, at least, I don't want to defend Sully. They were both very bad. So I was like... When, we, when yeah. we saw the trailer for In Front, I was like, this is going to be terrible. But <laughs> after those two things, it was like, there's got to be one this fall. And I guess I liked it the most out of those three. <laughs> <laughs> Very convincing. Uh, yeah, I found myself, well, God, this movie, it's like a jackhammer to your head at the beginning. Just, yeah. I mean, I mean mirroring what's happening it, with, it does with a Robert It does a good job of, yeah, putting you in Because, I mean, it's just in Sanely frenetic and just like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, they get super stylized with the movie. Yeah. With these uh, crazy flashes, this this rapid-fire editing to CGI slash non-CGI, like, depictions of hell, essentially, where people... Dante's Inferno. With boils on their face and being murdered. Oh, like their faces backwards. Yeah, that was really cool. cool. There's some cool imagery. Really cool imagery. Yeah, people Uh, Based off of uh, the famous paintings of the, the... Ten circles of hell or whatever. <laughs> I always thought it was nine, but I guess there's ten. Uh, we should have done research, but... <laughs> no, people aren't coming here for hell talk. Oh, that's, but that's what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of hell talk. Um, Do you think you're going to hell? We're, we're starting off this heavy <laughs> no, right away? Okay. Uh, oh, Jesus. I think I was already <laughs> in hell. <laughs> and I was just there for about three hours today. It wasn't that long. It felt long. I honestly, I turned to, uh, we saw it with a friend of the show, former co-host, John Brickley. I uh, turned to him at the end of the movie. He was like, is it five o'clock when we started the noon? <laughs> he hated it so much, he didn't want to be a part of the podcast. Yeah, he was originally going to guess. Because <laughs> he, yeah, he was going to be our surprise guest, but... Uh, he he did, he knew he would have nothing constructive to say. So I appreciate that he took himself out of the the race. <laughs> I think John's reaction was a little hyperbolic. It was not that bad. Well, I mean, it's. I think it, we it, talked it, about an angels and demons, and, and we were, I think we were going to circle back around where mm-hmm. we go. We've gone into these movies now, or at least I am, with the lowest of low expectations, expectations, and just kind of it's a it is an empty blockbuster, and just. Try to have fun. Well, here's the okay. Here's the question that I have, and again, maybe, maybe we actually, maybe we should focus on this movie before we compare it to its predecessors. Okay, let's talk about Inferno. So we we mentioned up front, it, it kind of goes crazy with this these visions that are plaguing a what we find out to be a drug Tom Hanks, and he's suffering from a head injury. Maybe he it's, has it's, amnesia for a couple days. That and that. Like I really like the the effect of the imagery, and I was like, okay, we're 
Yeah. One of the things I did like about the movie was like, all right, we know it's going to be just like a, a silly adventure. In, insane. Let's yeah. get into it right away. And like, I kind of like that. Yeah. I did too, outside of the fact that it was like... It doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense. Confusing. But more, more importantly, it's just like, all right, we're doing the amnesia thing. Right, just go with it. Well, I mean, the amnesia, that is actually a part of the book. Uh, yeah. My very little thing. This was, I mean, that was... So you had read Inferno? No, I haven't read Inferno. I, I just, just know that that was the plot of the... Uh, they retain that from that. That doesn't surprise me, but yeah. it just felt like okay. Here we're we're very tropey right now. Let's just, yeah. let's just go with it. Uh, and for the most part, I think it had a couple fun moments based on the amnesia. <laughs> the like, coffee bit, yeah, probably the best bit in the movie. Yeah, and uh, coffee. That was uh, probably the Hanksiest line in the movie. Yes, yes, uh, good Hanksy line. And actually, this is a, this good transition point for getting into talking about Hanks right up front. We're gonna go just straight into it. Because this, uh, I think, last time you mentioned when we were talking about Angels and Demons, this is the perfect series for Hanks to be like, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. But, like, you can hear it in his voice. He is gone, like, gone are the days where he's like, Hi, I'm Tom Hanks! Wow! (laughs) Now it's, I'm Grizzly Tom Hanks! Yeah. Like, he still gets that. that Yeah, I don't actually know if I like it (laughs) in this one. (laughs) In this movie specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I think it works, like, again, going back to Hollywood for the King. Yeah. Even Sully, well, he kind of has a different affectation yeah. for Sully. But, um, yeah, like, the the Grizzly Hanks works sometimes for me. Like, the coffee scene, I think, worked great. But, and, and when he was trying to climb the garden fence, I was like, <laughs> you're too old for this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, climbing a fence is too much for Tom Hanks. <laughs> action hero. Well, it, it, it was really weird seeing Tom Hanks... Uh, in his very his lovely but sort of flabby old fifty man fifty year old man body, juxtaposed with like thin sprightly bouncy Felicity, Felicity Jones, yeah, and like that that was just it, it was like the weirdest version of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> she was the companion, yeah. Like I'm thinking, Tom Hanks uh, should be a good uh, if they ever did an American Doctor yeah, Who, or, I, or I'd see him. I'd love to see him do a British accent for it. I've seen Cloud Atlas, not so <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, no, yeah. Uh, again, we're bouncing around. But so you didn't like the Grizzled Hanks voice. Well, I would just say I wasn't – I mean maybe this is skipping ahead too much. But I just wasn't impressed by Hanks in this movie. This, this is, was him getting the shit kicked out of him. That was kind of the point of the movie. But I, I didn't – Yeah, okay. Here, here's the, the scary question. It just I, made me feel tired watching it more than like – yeah. Empathizing or being like, oh, you can get through it. I don't know. Yeah, here's okay, here's my first scary question of the of the day. Because oh. we have to have scary well, questions Halloween. on Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Um first one is Tom Hanks and part of the reason we started this podcast was the uh he's one of the few actors who is considered good in everything. Even in the bad movies, he's good. We've kind of talked here and there about like, is he starting to phone it in? Like once or twice we've been like we're on that cusp, but we'd find. I, I think we left every episode finding a little bit yeah. where it was like he's given something to it. Uh, even going back to the Da Vinci Code, <clears throat> it was sort of like this empty, hollow blockbuster. But I yeah. think the reason what he brought to it was like, oh, I'm going to follow it because it's Tom Hanks. It's not really his story, yeah. But he's the perfect guy to make me care about this guy whose story it isn't. Angels and Demons, I think. Was a little bit more hollow. Like with the thing we we noticed was there was no character story there. Yeah. But I think that again, you're watching it for Hanks. He's again the reason you're watching the movie, which is maybe not saying much to his performance. But like this one, is he good in this? 
I was gonna say I don't think there. I think there's only one good performance in this entire movie of the of the people, of the entire cast, and that was Irfan Khan. He was the only guy who I was like, I like seeing this guy on screen. Everyone else, I thought, just kind of went to the middle. Just they, it kind of got into the morass of mediocrity of like this kind of by the numbers. It, it kind of felt like a cash grab blockbuster. Which makes me. that's exactly what the Da Vinci Code yeah. series is. It's this you know page turning conglomerate of a movie slash book series. I think, I mean, the problem of all these movies is that Robert Langdon is a very uninteresting character yeah. and it, and Tom Hanks <clears throat> gets away with it in the first two, I think. But by the third one, I mean, we get a little bit of a character in here, but not really. Basically a love story, kind of. It's kind like of a love the story. The worst love story. <clears throat> not a good one. Uh, but like, he doesn't have, he doesn't get any good material. But he also doesn't rise above it, I don't think, in this one. This it, is maybe it's the... It's a thankless it's the, role, really. It's the hardest one to really defend. Because yeah. they, they did go for a deeper character story than the last movie yeah. with, with Angels and Demons. Because that one, there was nothing personal about that story. It was just like, oh shit, I'm here, I'm, I'm doing it, the thing. This one, they, it's, they obviously there was the love story with his... And that was a weird. We'll talk about that. Elizabeth with uh, Elizabeth, he, the yeah. the the head of who? Yeah, the World, World Health, Health Organization. organization. Yeah. And and the other half of the movie, it felt like he was. They were making up for a lack of a personal story, just using the device of the amnesia that kind of substituted as character substance and kind of the uncle to the niece kind of yeah. dynamic of being the older person with uh, Felicity Jones. Which which I think would be an, a really interesting thing to explore. This movie did not do that. Not not necessarily even in a, a love story thing. Yeah. Um, get that away, no, actually. No, 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 no. But, but, but in the sense of, like, I'm this older dude and I'm hanging out with you. And the movie actually does kind of talk about that. But I want to say – I want to put a pin in that okay. and come back to that, this idea of uh, youth versus the elder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. there's something really – it's a great line by well, Irfan Khan, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Irfan Khan, I do think he's probably the best character of the movie. Not also, not only because he's also maybe the most interestingly written. Not that this is a yeah. very strong written movie. But, <laughs> no. like, he's a character where it's like, I don't know what he's going to do next, and he's interesting. Yeah, he, fu- he has fun lines. Self- he's the only one who's self-aware of what movie he's in, yeah. I feel like. And immediately, like, like, he's a bad dude, but immediately when he's like, this is a major fuck-up. And he gets the F-bomb in the movie. Yeah. He's PG-13. He gets, he says shit, too, later, too. Like, he he swears a couple times. He, yeah, he's the yeah, one he's pushing the, it. He's the, the most interesting. I could have used a fuck from Hanks, but uh, no. I always could use a fuck from <laughs> Hanks. But, uh, yeah, so I think he was the strongest in the movie. I will give some credit to Felicity Jones. Uh, I think she's compelling. I think she's interesting. I'm much more interested in her being in Star Wars yeah, than I, this. I didn't love her character in this. But, I, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, she but I, again, hollow, but, like, she brought something to the I, – and, again, I, I keep saying we're going to hold things off, but I'm going to just compare it immediately yeah. to the previous movies. I think this is the most interesting female companion he Robert Langdon has had in okay. any of these movies. I think that's actually pretty easy to it, that, that It's a small – it's a low bar. <laughs> the second one, like, she was barely the a second thing. one is like, oh, that's right. She was in the She's movie. She's a female. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have one woman in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe there's a couple – um, oh, actually, even the, the like the cop that was running after, she was interesting looking. That was like, she. It was f- so funny because whenever she showed, it was like they filmed her like the Terminator. Yeah, but like was kind of a fun way. Yeah, it was fun, but dis- she got a really cool death. That was a crazy death. Like yeah. you saw her teeth burst out. She kind of looked like she had the plague yeah. or like the death mask kind of thing mm-hmm. happening, and yeah, she fell through a painting. For that, those. that was nuts. <laughs> and actually, that was a really. That was one of the parts of the movie I liked was that scene and the death of her. And then Felicity – or uh, what's the – what was her character name? 
Dr. Uh, Brooks. Yeah, uh, Brooks. Uh, it starts with a uh, Sienna. Sienna. Right. She's named after a crayon. Um, <laughs> Sienna's uh, reaction to that was interesting because I was like, what are we doing here? Because uh, I, I was pretty sure from the very beginning she's in on something. Cause, like, well, of course, it made no sense that she would just be immediately that in invested. It. It's instinct. No, it's not. Yeah, I, was, I mean, and she made up that story about how I met you when you were nine or whatever, which we could – that was the one little thing we could say like, oh, of course. But that there was, would be too many coincidences to buy the fact that like, oh, I, you just happened to come in. I knew you when you were nine and I'm a genius and I do all these different exactly, things. Exactly, yeah. It was pretty much going to obviously happen. The Actually, the only thing in the movie defense for hiding that surprise was that this movie seems like it would be that poorly written that it would just be yeah i look up to you i'm gonna be your <laughs> no that's why i was kind of like well maybe that is what it is yeah, or yeah. maybe it's some weird thing like she's his daughter somehow or like mm-hmm. i don't know what kind of crazy twist we're gonna do but you knew there was something coming yes and uh so yeah and so she's the villain a very I mean, low bar but you can't trust anyone in this movie except for one man tom tom hanks, hanks. He's the only one, even though he did steal the, the mask, but for yeah, the reason. Yeah, the mask of Dante. Uh, With Ignacia, who they really just kind of cut out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> um, so, so to go back to a point, this is a, this is a, a Hankles, a Thankless Hankles. He's really just kind of going through the motions in this one. I think so. I think so. And it kind of... Like, and you know what makes sense? Like, or on, maybe that's just age. Maybe he... When, when he was on Stephen Colbert, he said, like, this is a great field trip movie. I got to go to Florence. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, the best parts of these movies are, the, like, when they're, yeah, they're in the, the <laughs> like, in the secret passageways. It looked like they actually of... got to film in some real places. Yeah. Well, unlike I... our last episode. Oh, yeah, and the green screen. There, I didn't see special. any obnoxious green screen this time, which I appreciated. Yeah, no, I, it was all cool. And I really liked the, where the finale was set. In, Great location. In Istanbul. Poorly shot. Scene. Poorly shot, but, like, the location itself was so cool. Like, the red water, and there's a concert going on on the water in the catacombs yes. of Turkey. Like, it really was spooky. Super cool. Very like, cool. I really want to go there. Yeah, let's, uh, we, we should record the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but the Duomo, I have been to the Duomo. The Duomo in Florence. Oh yes, that was, yes that's yes. the opening shot actually is of the Duomo, and that's then right. and then there's the Florence chase scene with Ben Foster, the bioterrorist. Oh right, right. Who Ben Foster is like an, a phenomenal actress. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, See, I think we're, we should switch them, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm bar for Halloween, so I'm just switching everyone's genders. Tom Hanks is a fa- fantastic <laughs> actress. He's my favorite actress. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine how many more Academy Awards you're going to win if he was an actress. Uh, oh, man. Wow, goodness. Uh, yeah, Ben. Okay. <laughs> we're off the rails. Ben Foster's character was interesting yeah so he was i mean you, you actually mentioned after elon musk is like a, oh yeah cop, yeah basically if he was a crazy bioterrorist billionaire that was the plan is to kill either should we have said the premise of the movie up front <laughs> yeah maybe before talking for an hour um <laughs> i don't think it's been that long but uh people know what the movie yeah right? i hope so yeah yeah so it comes it, basically the whole movie is a would you rather Oh, with Dan yes. Rather. Um, <laughs> so it comes down to the fact of overpopulation is the problem. Yes, and it's the root of every problem. It's the root of 
like bigotry, racism, assaults. Well, the environment, lack of resources. Exactly. It, it, extinct it, animals. Yeah. It all comes down to the fact that there's too many fucking people. And, Which uh, is a simplification, but it's not exactly untrue. It, that's that's the reason I think the movie does kind of work. Yeah. At least the story that works. Yeah. Is there's a re- and that's kind of always been Dan Brown's thing, is there's a kernel of truth to this kind of ridiculous conspiracy theory yeah. plot. And, uh, you know, our stand-in for crazy eccentric billionaire, who of course thinks he's righteous enough to make these decisions, um, obviously they have... They act, and that's an important decision, but they think they have the authority to act for everyone. Yeah. And, and that seems like exactly what a billionaire type would do. A uh, billionaire genius who thinks because he, he's smarter than everybody else that he's making the right decision for all of us. Yeah. Everyone else is cowards that we're, if we're not acting. Sounds like someone oh. <laughs> we, we've mentioned a couple times on the show, <laughs> but we don't need to go into it right now. I'll take the bioterrorist over Trump. I would as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take, uh, yeah, I'm team bioterrorist. Let's, uh, well, let's, let's have the, let's have the population. I'm still team Hex. No, yeah, but no, it's true. It's interesting. Neither team are, is really compelling. <laughs> In this movie, yes. Yeah. Team Langdon's not compelling. Team Hanks always yeah, compelling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it comes down to a really interesting, again, would you rather, do you kill half the population right now of Earth to save the human race? Or do you like forty years? There'll be too many people, and then we'll start to tear each other apart and basically have an apocalypse. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy theme, and it's a great thing to kind of put your movie on. Yeah, especially for a blockbuster. I mean, like, and I like I like that there is the environmental concern behind this movie, even though it's kind of oh, it's it's very surface. It's, yeah, it's lip service, but yeah, but I mean, at least there's something there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It might be crunchy enough if to you get people knew, to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, if you knew in 40 years that the, the world was going to be going exactly how Ben Foster's character It might not says. be 40 years. It might be, yeah. what, like nine days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, yeah. But if you knew that, would you would you press the button to kill half people? Like, I, even knowing that that happens in 40 years, that's, like, insane to me. But, I mean, I don't know. Even if it's 100 years. Yeah. Because you'll start to see the effects before you die. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, but 40 years is scary because, like, we'll probably still, I mean, God willing, we'll still be alive. Hank's willing. Hank's willing. <laughs> Hank Swilling. <laughs> we could have used some more Hank Swilling. We, we got the coffee scene. We but. did. That was great. Uh, that was definitely the best scene. We're talking about coffee. Oh. <laughs> what a, yeah, it was a lousy movie. What's happening? Movie. What's happening, guys? <laughs> it was a lousy movie, guys. Uh, okay, so we talked about the sad, sad, scary truth. This is kind of Tom Hanks phoning it in. Do, do we feel that – okay, obviously Ithaca's exempt because he was in it for like Ten two seconds. seconds. Yeah. Uh, you didn't see Sully. I will say I was not compelled by Sully as a performance, but he was doing something. Uh, and a hologram for the king. We both agree. Oh, Good hands. great. Yeah. Okay. So – So it's just a mixed bag year. Mixed bag year. And this is like the first time it feels like you're really just phoning in, big guy. But you know what? I also kind of don't blame you. Yeah. But, you know, it does make the movie suffer. <laughs> Not that there's a lot to work with. Yeah, granted. well, I mean, because he's had mixed bags before in movies. Like, I mean, you mentioned Cloud Atlas and stuff, but that's when he's doing something. Like, he's yeah, going yeah, out there Cloud and Atlas is in, like, exactly. interesting but bad. It's an interesting failure. Right. Well, I mean, some people love it, I guess. But, I mean, it's one of those 
love-hate, weird movies where yeah. you're, you're swinging for the fences. This movie feels like it's swinging for a single or a double just to be okay and make money. This, and it's not going to make ba- money, It's guys. barely more than a bunt at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was kind of what we talked about uh, all the way back in the Da Vinci Code episode. Yeah. Is like, do we respect this film? Because it's not really trying. Yeah. And that makes me feel a little weird because I kind of mentioned it in the last episode. But I almost feel hypocritical f- for how much goofy fun we enjoyed and yeah. raved about Angels and Demons. Even though I think we concluded that it was not a good movie. No, and this we one had- isn't a good movie either. But I, again, I was able to have fun the whole time. And it helps. I mean, the pacing isn't great. But it like... It was moving forward the whole time. There's really no uh, break. No, yeah, it was definitely breakneck plots. I like plot and quotes. Yeah, yes, exactly. I I think Angels and Demons succeeded on every other like on the same level so much more. Yeah, it's definitely the stronger of the three films, despite the fact that it's maybe yeah. But but I think we talked about it the last week. The why that one worked for me so much was because it kind of knew it was stupid and it just yeah. went with it. And this, this one movie, was more self-important? Important? The, yeah, and I mean, we just kind of praise it for having this this kind of talk, but at the same time, I think that's almost... Yeah, it makes it feel it, like it's this is an important, well, well, life-saving movie. You can have a really goofy movie with those big talking points, but I think... Like a that, goofy movie. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think it was because it took itself too seriously again. Yeah. It was more Da Vinci Code than Angels and Demons. Uh, and I think it's honestly the weakest of the three. How do you feel? You haven't seen um, Da Vinci in a while. Da Vinci Code, yeah, in a while. That one was so forgettable. I Maybe I enjoyed watching this movie more because it had it kind of was more just like I think just Angels and stuff. Demons, I would agree with you, but that also might have been just because we were watching it at home having fun rather than going to the theater paying money <laughs> like to see Inferno. So uh, you say if we had done that for Angels and Demons, you would feel worse. I, th- I think there's maybe something to that, actually. Going that out to the true. theater the to go... The way you watch it. Yeah. I think that does kind of change in how you go into it. Um, but... Uh, you know what? I think there... I, I, I'm going to take that back. I think I like this movie a little bit more than Da Vinci Code because it doesn't really stop. Like, Da Vinci Code has that weird thing in the middle where it just stops and becomes a lecture. And then the ending is just kind of haphazard yeah this one at least it does keep going the ending i think is really poorly put together and yeah it has little impact it was like is it gonna open no yeah Yeah. and then the stuff with the phone like of course there's no signal that was funny funny. yeah (laughs) but maybe not i thought about they're like oh cut the cell and and then she's like "Ah." yeah Yeah. uh because, yeah, I felt nothing for that last moment between him and her. Yeah. Which it felt to... like there should have been something there. Well, in a way, I mean, you were talking about maybe this is the time to circle back to the generational gap. Yes. Uh, because that, I think that was – there's a way where that scene does feel really good in a way. It's like it's Hanks' generation against uh, Felicity Jones. I keep forgetting her name. Sienna. Sienna uh, Like that. Because, I mean, she's obviously in her 20s. Hanks is on the other side. And we have – Irfan Khan's character saying he hates young people basically said until they're 35 they're a nuisance or something like that. Yeah, it's a really funny line. They think they can save the world and everything. And that's a really interesting uh, point of view and I think we've seen movies where it's basically too – this is the kind of situation where if you're not going to go for just like a, a doofy blockbuster like Angels and Demons yes. does, you can have this scene and it can be a really great – scene, moment, story, whatever. We should completely understand both characters' point of view and feel justified in both of them. 
Uh, a great Tom Hanks example is when you know Woody and Buzz are yelling at each other. Yeah. We completely understand where both of them are coming from. Yeah. Uh, but a more relevant example is actually uh, the Drew Goddard, uh, Joss Whedon picture, A Cabin in the Woods. Ah. Because that kind of deals with the same thing in a much more successful and fun way. Yeah. But it's sort of like the downstairs people, the people who are running the program to do the sacrifice are the elders of the community and obviously the sacrifices of the kids. And they're the ones who the, the people, the movie ends with like, fuck the world. Let's essentially pull the trigger. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of, I think that's a really interesting companion piece. And, uh, I mean, obviously, the fact that Cabin was his much stronger movie yeah, makes yeah. me lean towards sure, that. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that is actually in this movie, or they wanted it. No, but, no, but th- that's... But there was that opportunity. That, I mean, it's it's set up there, and it's there's also some very interesting thing about it. I mean, she's clearly younger than Ben Foster's character, and almost like there's maybe a cautionary tale to young people trying to... <laughs> like being uh, used by the older generation yeah. to do what they want to do, and she's been blinded and, and wants to... By taking action. Yeah, it's not super kind to her character if you think about it. And like, well, and I hated that because she was a follower or of this guy they because they're in romantic. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt very much Bertrand like... Bertrand Zobrist, that was his name. Zobrist, ugh. He's uh, a baseball player named Zobrist. He's good. Well, it's a nice name, but I, yeah. I don't like this guy. Yeah. Uh, the more we saw him, I was like, this guy's just one of those douches. Do we like Omar Sy, uh, the the French uh, who? Uh, oh, the uh, yeah, he was great. I mean, obviously, bad guy. But. Yeah, I mean, he was fine. I, again, like I've seen. I mean, yeah, I said great. That was a little. Yeah, that was too much. It's Bishop, that's Bishop from uh, X Men, uh, and I mean, he's been. In, I mean, he was. Big in France, and now he's just been kind of like these middle-of-the-road parts in American blockbusters, which just kind of seems like a shame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a fun addition. He didn't – he had a similar physicality when they were shooting him, like pursuing uh, the two – to the uh, the lady cop, but not in the most interesting way. Like she showed up, and like I was really excited because like, oh, we're going for angels and demons, goofy. The way she's the fucking Terminator shooting at the the hospital door. And uh, I like how they did explain away the fact that – the bullets didn't go through the door. Yeah. Because uh, I, I noticed, like, that's bullshit. But then they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind hey, of, hospitals don't have locks on their door yeah, and all that kind of stuff. It was all a setup. Yeah. Very elaborate Which, okay, <laughs> there's... I mean, the plot itself makes no sense because... So he... he uh, Bertrand Zobris created this puzzle to lead his girlfriend back in case something happens to him. But don't you think if he had spent less time doing this puzzle, he could have actually unleashed it himself? What was the point of Any putting of a delay on unleashing this bomb? Yeah, why not just put it put off it immediately? Put it immediately, yeah. Yeah, no. Unless, I mean, maybe he, I guess he wanted all those people there. Maybe he was waiting for that specific concert, but they did not make that clear No, because I mean, he basically said that that was a place all the time. Like, yeah. the guy, he wasn't just saying, I mean, the concert was a series. So it's like, it's not just that night. Uh, and yeah, no, it, it was just for the movie to work yeah. for, to bring Tom Hanks in and all that <clears> stuff. And that didn't like, it didn't really make sense no matter what. None of these movies. But what I really sense. wanted it to be, even though it would have been pretty obvious, I guess, if it had happened, but what I wanted it to be was Hanks was the actual carrier of the virus. Which they and were almost, yeah. putting him on this goose chase, he's actually spreading it further. And I thought that would be awesome. And then there'd be this end where he'd have to like kill himself or do oh, something. Man. 
Like, or something weird like that. I think or that's, he re- that would have been a way cooler movie, that right? That would have been a way cooler movie. I think it would have been too challenging to get them to the, write themselves out of it is yeah. the problem. Well, and maybe even make it surprising once you get there. I yeah. Because once you see that he has something on his arm and he's itching, you're like, oh, he's sick. The idea that Robert Langdon is Agent Zero and he has to use his puzzle-solving skills to figure out to find the cure rather than find the, uh, the, the virus. virus. The, that yeah, would have been way – yeah, because they, they almost maybe there's like a point in the middle of the movie where they're like, it was released six hours ago and it's already contagious. The timelines in these movies I've noticed are – Awful. They're fucking Angels and Demons. Like, I feel like they, yeah, very unclear. Like that was, I think, the worst part of Angels and Demons was just like I think it had the same thing. They all have this like it's going to happen then, which we understand is oh we're upping the stakes, but it's like it seems like the way they use it, it's like oh we still got eight more hours, and it's like it's been like so much longer than that. Yeah, guys. yeah. I mean, and the, the, fact and the that sky they're in the looks long... the same. Yeah, and we're flying across the country. We're taking train rides for two hours. We're taking boats, and it's still the same day. Yeah. <laughs> And the, uh, I love the lack of museum and church uh, security. And uh, only for Tom Hanks. They won't que- – I understand that. You don't question if Tom no. Hanks walks into your building. Well, I mean he's just got he, – he's knows – Those are very hard to do anything in. <laughs> yeah. He, he knows these buildings so well. He's been on every tour. But like I mean when he just – oh, they're like under construction. He just opens the <laughs> <Yeah>. fence. <laughs> like, that I like though. That was well, very – That was funny. But, like, that was emblematic of the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was a fun Indiana Jones moment. But you're right. It was too easy to do a lot of this well, shit. Well, it's always too easy for him. So that why, that's why it was funny when they pointed yeah, out how easy it was. Yeah. But it's better if we... It, it we, deflates we, the movie. <laughs> Granted, there's not a lot of uh, sincerity in the movie anyway. But. Yeah. I, but I just... I want more... I mean, this movie is all about the puzzles. But it honestly didn't have much in it for the puzzle solving in this. I mean, they're very easy puzzles kind of it's just like it's oh, we really go just here. like yeah oh it's now we go here yeah and she even knew like the anagram before if he like because she said seek and yeah, find she, or it whatever it seems like why did she need him she, like not really he didn't because, like well because the thumb had been changed to him that but was well, at that one point kill him yeah and go but yeah i don't i don't know i guess she he found out that uh, that it was an instant bull. She didn't know that. That was kind of, and that's when she turned. Yeah, because she she had all the information she needed. And, and I guess she was waiting to know exactly the location. Yeah, so you, and she he's clearly good to have around until then, especially gets you through doors. And <laughs> you know, we can continue on, you know, complaining about the plot all day. We'll never make heads or tails. Oh of it. no! It's, but I just what I want if they ever make another one. And unfortunately, Lost Symbol is in development. I don't think based on the bo- box office, there's going to be another one. Yeah, because it, as of Saturday before uh, Saturday on this weekend of when it's opened, it's just bombing. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows how it does internationally. But I want them to go into the puzzle more. Like, be as crazy as you want about these puzzles. Well, yeah, they even fun. removed the uh, the sort of stylistic flair they gave in the original movie where it yeah. was like you saw the letters piecing together. And that was, like, I guess weird, yeah. but I, it was – it gave of, the movie an identity. They took it out into Angel's Demons, too. And there was, like, no puzzle solving there either. Yeah, and I guess that one just had a better plot, that, that was of. Well, that one yeah. worked because it, it, it was just a scavenger hunt. It yeah. was not – And well, scavenger this, hunts are fun. I mean, that's – I guess that's what they're going for. It's a European is, scavenger hunt. Yeah, and that's what this movie was, too, but, like, it was supposed to be puzzles – yeah, no, it really wasn't because, I mean, it was super easy to just look at the Dante thing if you're a guy like Robert Lang to be like, oh, these are all in different orders. There's letters on all of them. There's literally just literally written in English at the bottom what yeah. the clue is. Like, that's not a clue. That's – yeah, that's so, yeah. a message. That's like, a- National Treasure is beating them – like, 
way, it's way better. Like, wh- <laughs> why? <laughs> Again, low bar, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay, enough of the plot. We can move on to other things. Moving on, just... <sighs> Sorry. Uh, oh, actually, one more thing about the plot. Yeah, Once we it. got to the water, oh, I yes. knew we were safe with Tom Hanks because Splash... Captain Phillips and passed away. Uh, he's, water is Tom Hanks' spot, all that's, right? That's his home court. Of the four elements, he is a water <laughs> elemental. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had air with Sully. And, and, but there was water no, there. No, but he crashed into yeah, it. Yeah, made it safe. Water. Hanks is a water sage. Oh, my God. Yeah, there we go. I knew we were getting somewhere on this Yes. Pod. We came up with one. We, yeah. The, the pod, seeing this movie was worthwhile, though. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, Hanks commands water. Uh, or he overcomes it in all of his yes. movies. Like, is there a movie where it's bad? Like, it's bad in, like, Cast Away, Captain Phillips, but he overcomes it. Yes. And he becomes the master of water. Well, and, I mean, he is the captain. Uh, I mean, he loses the, he loses it, but he ends up, he ends the movie as the captain, basically, yes, yes. and the savior. Uh, I mean, he's crying, which also has a liquid portion, but... He's Seattle, a- he has a houseboat. He has a, yeah, yeah, no, no yeah. you can go through all these movies, we're gonna have to do I mean, yeah. This will be a big, like... <laughs> Long-term project. But yeah, you're right. He only finds, finds love until he gets moored on water. That's when he finds love with Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle. He does. So, there uh, so water is very important. And it also ties into the whole cracked.com uh, theory of Hank seeing, or Hank's peeing everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, no peeing in this movie, though. I don't think we've seen pee from... No, we got some uh, post-shower Hanks, though. A little bit of post-shower Hanks. No nips. No nips. Missed out on those nips. No Speedo this time. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was Speedo and Angels and Demons. That's right. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, as we pointed out, he was a little in shape for Angels and Demons. It's been too long. He's, he's not doing that again. <laughs> Why bother with yeah. Inferno? Um, I don't blame you, Hanks. <laughs> and and that you can see that in the filmmaking, too. Just... We, we maybe touched on it right at the beginning, but, like... I think the filmmaking is lazy. With the film, no, I don't want to say lazy, but over edited almost. The action, the yeah. way Ron Howard shoots action in this movie is essentially here. Let's have a, a two shot of Hanks and Felicity running, running. but like and then brisk wa- walking a lot of times too. It, yeah, it's not running. Yeah, and then it cuts. Uh, we have the Hans Zimmer boop, 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 boop score, yeah. and then it cuts to like the people watching them on the drones and then the drones and the drones are moving fast. So you almost think if you're not paying attention, Oh, this is a really fast moving scene, but it's not really, it's just the cuts that are hiding the fact that Tom Hanks can't run. And you know what? That's fine. He ran. Forrest Gump was when he stopped. He couldn't run after that. That's true. He did all his running. He overdosed on running. I don't running. blame him, but yeah. at the same time, it's kind of Oh, necessary. Lieutenant Dan at sea too. Bubba Gump. Oh, well, yeah, he's the master of the, the yeah, ocean. There you he, go. Gets a fortune off of the ship. Yeah. Uh, we got to get off this one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's the only interesting thing to talk about. But I don't want to just be sitting here and be like, oh, that movie too. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty thin connection because, I mean, you could do that with pretty much anything. We could talk about how fire is important, I'm sure. Well, he's not a fire elemental. In fact, he fails at fire in the last movie and he rescues the guy in the Angels and Demons from the water. There you go. He is a water sage. Yeah, they just always put him in the water. And the speedo scene in the water, obviously. Fuck yeah, speedo scene. <laughs> that nothing that good in this. See, movie. we can't get away from the water; it just keeps coming back. It's true. Uh, so I'm going to ask the hard question now, and this Uh-oh. is going to be uh, dangerous because uh, I think we love this guy, but uh, is Ron Howard a good filmmaker? Not anymore. I love Splash. 
Uh, I think Apollo 13 is a good movie. Maybe even a great movie. We haven't talked about it yet, so I'm going to save my opinion. <laughs> Uh, but uh, don't worry, that one's coming soon. What was his last good movie? Uh, Apollo thirteen, Cinderella Man. I think that one again was kind of a by the numbers movie, but I didn't it, see it, it was elevated because it had Paul Giamatti, Russell Crowe, and I, Laura Linney. Someone I, like I do that. love Laura Linney. Yeah, I think that was, she was terrible. And solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think she did. She you shouldn't blame her for that. Based on no, the role that was that not I could her. See. Yeah, she yeah. was. They didn't share screen time. They once. gave the Clint Eastwood wife role, like it's that. Terrible. Sienna Miller got in American Sniper. Sienna, it's a crayon. The Grinch. Mm, no, but those are at least fun family movies. The Grinch is like Angels and Demons, but for family people. Yeah, it's just goofy for family fun. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I'm gonna give it to Apollo 13. I'm probably forgetting one or two, but so and, and like, but like Heart of the Darkness, the one with the whale and Chris Hemsworth. Oh, apparently Rush was really good. I never oh, yeah, saw. People it. liked Rush, but yeah, Chris Hemsworth's uh, Ron Howard's newest muse. Yeah, he's the new uh, Hanks. The new <laughs> Chris Hanks. Hemsworth. They have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. They sure do. <laughs> uh, but uh, apparently, so I don't. I don't want to, and I don't want to shit talk Ron Howard because he's. We're not shit talking. We just. I. I, feel- I think he did about a. I don't know if I if he did a, as good of a job as he could have. Is the thing like maybe he he was pressured to lean away from the goofiness of an Angels and Demons because that's kind of what I think the best version of this kind of movie can be is like let's just lean into it and have it be silly fun and strong pacing. And kind of take away the seriousness of it. Well, for now, if we want to do some fact checking here, uh, Frost Nixon in two thousand eight, I would say was actually a pretty great movie. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, and I just saw this and I forgot, but he did the uh, the Beatles documentary, and I really enjoyed that. Okay, uh, the eight days a week, the touring years, and that was this year. And then, yeah, I mean, Rush was twenty thirteen, and I know this is very exciting for everyone here. Obviously, like he's a great guy. This is true, though. The trilogy. Oh, and a beautiful mind is two thousand one. Again, a lot of people love that movie. Yeah, another like, Ed TV nineteen ninety nine. Ed TV. No, there no. Okay, go. yeah. For a little formulaic, like he doesn't turn in bad work. Serviceable. Serviceable. Uh, Comfort. Reliable. Food. Yeah. He's kind of like a journeyman director in that way, and you know, I I, I respect Ron Howard. Obviously, if he ever hears this, I'll be mortified. But at the same time... I like the guy. I feel like he's oh, a good he's fantastic. person. Yeah. yeah. Is he... Maybe it's just because it's impersonal, right? Maybe there's not a that's lot of, it. Like, I think Splash is a personal movie, and I think that, like, there's stuff in earlier. Maybe that's just kind of what happens when you've been doing it for so long. You lose... That's a good You don't have the same sort it. of passion, or you don't, you're not putting yourself in it. And how do you put yourself in Da Vinci Code? I mean... Robert Langdon's a cipher, I mean, meaning he's a blank slate, so you could actually yeah. imbue him with something, but it really it's actually just a flat nothing person, which means you can put whatever you want around there. And so much of this concept, like even when he was reading the email from his friend yeah. in, the, in her apartment, it's like this works if it's a book because you yeah. can take your time reading it. But like just punching in on segments of sentences, that's a really – boring thing to look at on screen. I pray that you are all right. That's the big... A a lot of it really suffers from adaptation then. Obviously, we can't really speak to the book because neither of us have read it. You kind of really need to translate some of this stuff to make it really pop on screen. Other than just like, yes, we're filming his email in in close-ups. That's never good. 
I think well, because National Treasure really is, I think the the like the comp that works for what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. and then Indiana Jones is the remove the puzzle element so much and just make it an action adventure that works extremely well. Obviously, or yeah. Did. Uh, and they're kind of in this weird middle ground where it doesn't succeed on either of them. Yeah, and and the character is like the lead is just not as dynamic as Indiana Jones or. Maybe even Nicolas Cage and National Treasure is more interesting. Well, here's the... His team is more fun because they're kind of like a quirky <laughs> TV procedural ensemble. That's kind of how it feels. Well, that I mean, that makes sense then because you you're also following the team and has a bit of that Ocean's Eleven thing. Robert Langdon is always just... It's like trying to be the scholarly James Bond because it's yes. always just him and then some woman companion and a different adventure every time. Again, I think that probably works a lot better in a book because you can not have to imagine... An, an older actor running in these scenes. You can yeah. just, cause you just read it and you're like, Oh, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's it, true. It, it's a problem with the translation. It's the fact that it's kind of a weird character to lead an action film. And then I have, okay, here's the other, we're going to commit a sin here on Halloween. Who would we, is there a better actor to play Robert Langdon? I was going to, than Tom Hanks. I was going to say like, I mean, I think you guys talked about in the Da Vinci code, how it was miscasting. Or yeah, at least talked about the possibility. Well, well, well the of advantage it. to br- to put it as we kind of mentioned earlier in the episode to putting Hanks in the Robert Langdon role is because there's nothing there. That We're going to associate the good stuff with Hanks. Yes, he and brings in that that goodwill. But I think that actually becomes a crutch. I think so too. It is. It's basically a casting crutch at this point because it's just like okay, put in Hanks. He'll just take care of the likability factor. The fact that there, we we don't have time for character work. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe worked. Uh, Succeeded most in Angels and Demons, I guess. Yes, and, and then this one, but even because well, really he com- took the hair away, so then that because that just <laughs> that that just ruined everything from that first movie because it was just so distracting and you lost the fact that it was Hanks yeah. being likable because then it's just Hanks with weird hair, and then yeah, Angels and Demons back to that, mm-hmm. and then this one we're far removed from that and there's just nothing and we're kind of the Ill, the goodwill that we have of Hanks in this franchise is kind of gone at this point. And we already mentioned how like this is the most sleepwalking he's ever done through a role really. Yeah, well and I don't know who you put in like I cuz I kind of like the idea of, of you, jumping into the fact that he's this professor and it's not like you don't we're want not to be, be Indiana Jones. No, no. Even though he's a professor, but I I like that it should be this kind of analytical mind, this more older person. Right, so you want an older guy. You don't want him to be like a oh, big, Michael Caine. <laughs> you don't want him to be a physically like active action hero. So yeah, he's, he can't be like be a Bruce Willis guy. Yeah. Can't be Chris Pratt. Uh, but who should be older? Like, I mean, Hanks is the right age. I think. I think so too. Uh, but like, who? Something about it just doesn't. Maybe he needs to be more of a more of a dick. Maybe. Because there's that one part where he kind of says something. Oh, where he's like asking who she shares the apartment with. Yeah, which is in We're, a way funny because it was hinting at like the villain of the whole movie. Actually, kind of decent foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah. But I also like it was the one thing like you're being a dick, which I thought was fun because it was kind of inappropriate for him to yeah. ask. And I was like, maybe that would be a more like well, give him something. Also, but we know Hanks can play a dick really well. Yeah. But also, like that was good because it was maybe the only moment of genuine characterization in the movie. Like. Well, yeah, there's that one part where she said that she was afraid of heights, and he just, like, blursts, blurts out that, I hate small places or spaces. I have a problem with tight spaces, but that pissed me off, too, because, like, they no, were he doesn't. They he, were in tight spaces throughout the movie. Yeah, and he solved that problem in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, that just felt like a weird It was just over. like, a, remember the one quirk he used to have? Yeah, when he had maybe a personality. And then after that, it was her that was claustrophobic in the crowd, not... I mean, because she had just killed someone accidentally. Yeah, or but... not accidentally, but... I don't know. Like, when she finally revealed, like, her plan, it was like, 
why did she get that? I could almost maybe see her of killing before. It, it was weird. Well, that might have been her again smoke screening, but I think mm-hmm. that's a movie. Or that's us giving it too much credit. Yeah, I think it's just inconsistent. It, but it, we, it we really didn't come is. up with who we'd put well, in. Well, as that's because like they, there might not be a better actor to play this character. And Ralph Fiennes. Is this a serious? Sure. Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'd still go for Hanks over yeah. him. Not that he's a great actor, obviously, but I see what you're going for. Yeah. Like, he's still in that territory. Although I guess he's more, he's clearly not American. I think it's supposed to be this, like, I would, Cam- Cambridge guy. That's true. He should be Mark American. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Boston. No. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I'm kidding. Has many things, but he cannot play smart. No, um, no. Hanks can play smart, obviously. Yes. But uh, it's interesting, we, we mentioned uh, Doctor Who a couple times. The kind of character I could see maybe doing this is, uh, who's the new Doctor? What's what's the Capaldi? Capaldi? Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Obviously British, a little too old, but he, but he actually has the charisma and like the, the charisma energy. and the physicality. He has yes. that energy yeah, yeah, yeah. that that Hanks just doesn't yeah. have in, yeah. at least in this role. Yeah, no, that that I like that. Ha- as as Hanks has aged, he has more of that. We mentioned grizzled voice, but he also kind of has like this weight to his body now, and I think it works in a lot of roles. He's used it like uh, even when he was younger for like Jimmy Dugan in uh, League of Their Own. He has yeah. that weight where he's like, uh, yeah, know. yeah. And sometimes it works. Like, it worked great in A Hologram for the King. You could just feel how depressed and oppressed he was. But then he was able to channel it off and become really, like, physically vibrant, you know, at the end of yes. that movie. Uh, but, yeah, he just... That was, like, a very hopeful Hank's performance. Cause, yeah. And some of these, you're kind of like, oh, is this the downside of Hank's? Like, is he kind of declining as an actor or performer? But then Hologram for the King is actually kind of a metaphor for that. Or you can take it as just him himself coming through in the end and finding love and finding that passion again and just lighting up the screen. Yeah, there's more there's, there's more, more there's go. more passion and love and fun in Hanks. Yeah. And it, you can tell that when he's promoting these movies. Exactly. And that to bring it back to another positive here yeah. is that there is so much good Hanks that's just not being utilized. And I think we need to get him back into comedy. This I, is He's a funny guy. He's so funny. And obviously I love all the work he's done as a dramatic actor and some of our our, our best movies. But we want to go that. full circle. We want to bring him back to the beginning with Big Two. Big Two. <laughs> Splash with Channing Tatum. I would love it. I think it'd be really funny and smart like for him to – I mean in Splash 2, it's probably more realistic that it'll just be a side fun thing. But, but it he would be totally really fun. Be great yeah, yeah, I think you'd be fantastic at that like as kind of – Kind of a the Bill Murray career, but not, well, not really. Bill. He he does a lot of just kind of bogus lead. Yeah, now. no, I see what you mean. But, um, but no, like just basically a gr- a great part of the ensemble, especially uh, in Splash for that movie. But I also think we need him to lead another comedy. I think the world needs like not. I was going to say needs rom coms. That's not what I meant. They need love stories with people of Hank's age in them because they're mm-hmm. they're so they're always twenty or thirties. And there's so rarely these fifty between these fifties and sixties. Yeah, and you and sometimes you even get like the really old couples. Like, yes, like Op or that other one that was really beautiful that I forgot to see. Uh, you, people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, beautiful maybe actually oh, was it? Uh, no, that was the other movie. No, that's a different one. Uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah, that's that was right, a depressing yeah. ass movie. Don't watch that one for, uh, for uplifting. Yeah, uh, but there was. A, but but the point there's is, yeah, like forty seven years because because fifty yeah. like I mean we kind of. 
shift around depending on where you're looking at pop culture, but that's really middle age. We don't yeah. have a lot of middle age love stories. And he, we've seen him do the love story before. He's great at and it. And, and I would love to see a rom-com with Hanks at what he is now. I think that'd be really kind of I fun. Think, I think the perfect opportunity for him and Shelley Long to get there back go. to a great fucking hilarious rom-com. Yeah, the burbs too. <laughs> Well, Carrie Fisher should probably be in there. Yeah, but yeah. She's still alive. We can do that <laughs> she, too. Is she? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How dare you? I'm kidding. Uh, were we going to cast uh, Hanks in Star Wars? That was not. Like, <laughs> that nice was, transition. Yeah, I was say, what are, are we running out of things to say in this the episode? King of the segue right there. Because <laughs> uh, Felicity Jones is in Rogue One. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm more excited for that than this one. Yeah. Well, I guess Hanks could be Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> We can cut that segment. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, it was mostly me just blurting out, I remember that we're going to do that. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> you can bring it in natural and just cut that. No, no, we're here now. We're this here is now. happening. We're this isn't getting cut. Uh, you did this. He could play the father of Ray. The long lost father. That would be great because yeah. he's not attached to it. He's not a Skywalker. But he, we'd still feel a thing. I would love to see some Hanks in some Star Wars. So I'm going to talk about it on the show. But also, I think that's like, he doesn't, like, when he does, sometimes he tries things that are a little outside of his genre. Sometimes they succeed, sometimes they don't. But we've never gotten a big space opera Hanks movie. Him in some uh, space makeup would be great as an alien. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I would too. So, so we leave, what, Inferno perhaps being like, it's maybe the hardest to watch Hanks when he's not trying. He's just going through the motions. And we know – the best thing is we know from this ad, this promotion campaign that he's got so much life and passion and talent to offer uh, that we're just not getting that Hanks potential. Yeah. I mean there's more personality in David S. Pumpkins one, like two minutes than this entire – the three movies. Exactly. Yeah. So we need to get – we need to make Hanks great again. <laughs> oh, no. Free Hanks. <laughs> I'm with Hanks. I, I am with Hanks as well. I, and I think... That's never going to change. I think uh, this movie bombing might be the best thing that could happen because then he mm-hmm. could... I, well, I mean, he might not have as much le- leash or leeway to do the movies that he wants to do, but I feel like... Well, I mean, the I dance... think Hanks still has cachet for the rest of his career. Oh, he's yeah. never going to lose that yeah. cachet. I mean, unless he Cosby's, but that'll never happen because he's oh, Hanks. Hologram for the King did him no favors. Nobody saw it. This movie doesn't seem to be being received well. But and Ithaca obviously doesn't really exist, consider in pop yeah, culture. Yeah, but bring Tom Hanks and but Laura Lenny back did together for a fun for yeah. a good movie. Yeah. with maybe Shelley Long. <laughs> Just uh, keep... <laughs> I would love to see them in. A... You should do the Shelley Long podcast. <laughs> The long kiss goodnight. There it is. Wait, that's Gina Davis. Anyway, uh, <laughs> also great. Should be also in an X-Men. Oh, man, yeah. He should be in the Exorcist <laughs> TV show. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting all over the place. I uh, But no, I, I do want to leave. Um, I'm optimistic that there, we only have one, well, two Hanks movies on the docket right now. The Circle, which should be out next year sometime. I'm very look, very much looking forward that to it. That one could be another big, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously not leaning towards comedy, but it could be a very interesting turn for Hanks. It's going to be a much bigger publicized hologram for the king, I think. Like, yes. I think it's going to be kind of weirder. So it's made the same guys who did uh, Cloud Atlas and hologram for the king, I yeah. believe. I... Uh, Tickor? Tickor. Tom Tickor, yeah. 
And I mean, based on a Dave Eggers novel that people love. So I mean, yes. of course, the novels weren't a good thing this round, but I think there's more in a Dave Eggers novel to adapt than a well, Dave you Brown. know, Dave Eggers novels maybe just be better suited for adaptation as well. Exactly, The Circle and Toy Story, and of course, 4. Toy Story Four, which is why this podcast will go until 2019 <laughs> at the very least, provided I don't get killed. <laughs> Ron Howard might put a hit out on Ron you. Howard. I'm sorry, I love you. I love Arrested <laughs> Development. Bring season five. <laughs> season four is kind of whatever, but I still want. I still love it in a way, and I want five. So, Andy, do you have any other thoughts on? Inferno, the entire Da Vinci Code series. Are we ready to put this to I bed? I think I'm ready for it to be over. I, I mean, it, it's been fun watching and talking with you. Absolutely. And uh, I do – there's something about this series where there's potential, like the iconography of it. The, I love the puzzles. I love the – like finding patterns and using historic uh, historic uh, things and the whole ge- uh, uh, geographic element, mm-hmm. the kind of scavenger hunt. But yeah. I think- you know what? Honestly, outside of maybe the books – the best format would be for this to be like a Nintendo DS game like Phoenix Wright or Professor Layton, but you still have Tom Hanks voicing the main character. There you go. And it's like this interactive puzzle solving thing. So That would be a lot of fun. That would be great. I could even see it as a TV show procedural, actually, pretty – and it might be fun with that, a Robert Langdon and a, a, like give him with the CSI kind of – Yeah, a, give him a crew so a there's, crew, there's relationships. And each week they go and solve puzzles throughout the world. Like yeah. That honestly would have probably about 10 seasons, so thanks CBS. It would, it would probably go for a, <laughs> quite a long time. You wouldn't get Hanks in there. But. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. But he'd probably be an executive producer, so yeah. – Yeah. There you go. Uh, that wouldn't be – so. again, a lot of these – Lesser Hanks movies would make great TV shows. Oh, that's right. Bump out of the van. They stole our idea! <laughs> God damn it! Was that Chuck Lorre? Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> he needed more money. Uh, I, I, I'm worried about it pissing off Ron Howard. I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Probably regret that later. Yeah. yeah, he owns all of this town. Does he work at WB? Oh, yeah. He probably. does. Yeah, he can hear you. Damn it! <laughs> Sorry. Forgive me, Chuck Lorre. We're just trying to be real. We're, right. Yeah, this, that's how we talk. Hanks is all about honesty. It is. And that's why he's such a great performer. Yeah. And why we love him despite the fact that he makes some... Everyone makes mistakes. Occasionally bad movies yeah. like, like today's. Uh, so, Andy. Yes. Listeners, we have traversed through the inferno. And uh, <laughs> we have come out the other side of Hanks Halloween. That was our Hanks Halloween special. I hope you enjoyed it, but... Fear not, for the frights are only going to continue. For next week, Tuesday, November 8th, which is a significant date for those in the United States. And the world, I think. Actually, yeah, probably. (laughs) Going to be very scary, but to match that fear, we're going to be talking about perhaps the scariest Tom Hanks movie there is, Cars. And if you're wondering, wait, that's not a Tom Hanks movie. Well, we're going to talk about that next week. So don't forget to subscribe, like, retweet, tell your friends, comment, review the show. Give us some shouts because much like the overpopulation of the, uh, the Earth in the Inferno film, all we need to reach maximum capacity for our Hanks, Tom Hanks giving uh, true audience size, it'll happen like a minute from midnight. So... That's a, that's a <laughs> uh, So spread the word. Andy Green, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for going through two Tom Hanks 
Da you're, Vinci Code you're movies. You're very welcome. I had a, a blast is a strong word, but uh, <laughs> sure. Thanks for joining me in this ninth circle of hell. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, where can they find you in the meantime? Because we're probably not going to hear from you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been exercised from the pod. No, I, I, uh, think, I, I think you just need a break. <laughs> <laughs> I am at Wandering Green. That's green with an E at the end, and that is on... Instagram and Twitter, and then you can find me on my podcast, Gossip Guys. That's on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And where two men go into the Upper East Side, and one of us might not get out. <laughs> well, he's showing me up here because we don't—we're not on SoundCloud and Stitcher yet. I guess I got to do that over the over the break or something. No, break what? No, I'm getting out of myself. <laughs> um, uh, so no Facebook. You didn't make a personal Facebook page. We you, we've both failed on our yes. Promise. Oh, I promise. <laughs> I I mean I can say it. This is it'll make it an evergreen pod. Oh yes, yes, yeah. that's true. Um, well, just done. say it's Stitcher, and then that's someone true. down the line when they check, it will be you'll good. be on Stitcher. I I will be on Stitcher, but right now I'm on Twitter at Elvis Kunish. Uh, same with Instagram. Follow the show at Tom Hanks Pod in case there's any. Weird changes to the schedule, but uh, there shouldn't be. But we also have a lot. Sometimes I'll retweet a delightful dog vine, which is not going to be around a lot, a lot longer. But uh, and I, I post it. I tag it with hooch, so there's some fun there. <laughs> um, so follow that. Uh, subscribe. I already did that, all that stuff. And come back next week for a very important episode. You'll be listening to it while you're in line for the polls, and we talk about cars and the weirdest Tom Hanks cameo ever. Until then. Thanks for listening. Tom Hanks, we fell in love with you, Tom Hanks, just like so many do deeply, because you made us smile, and you're great on screen style, so that's why we give thanks, because you've got a friend in Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. Welcome to Tom Thanksgiving. <laughs>